BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. It's bonus time of the Ben Jarofsky Show. As I speak, it is what day is today. Ah, July 25th. But when you hear this, it could be any time because it's bonus, <laughs> man. It's the internet, all right? So it could be five years from now, 20 years from now, 30 years from now. Anyway, I have two, not one, but two bonus guests in the studio. And as I always do, I ask my bonus guests to introduce themselves, say a, a word or two about themselves, and then we begin the conversation. So I'm going to start with bonus guest number one right here, introduce yourself. Uh, thank you, Ben. Um, my name is Byron Sicho Lopez, and the new alderman of the 25th Ward. Um, used to be uh, a teacher, used to be a, a teacher and an organizer in the Pills Alliance for the, about 10 years. So mm-hmm. glad to be here. Thanks for the, for the invitation. A renowned troublemaker, if there ever was one, and for the Pilsen Alliance, <laughs> uh, Byron Sixer Lopez. And bonus guest, <coughs> excuse me, number two, introduce yourself. My name is Lorraine Targos. I'm a member of AFGE Local 704. I'm a member of Chicago Democratic Socialists of America. And I'm a board chair of the Metropolitan Tenants Organization. And I'm an advisor to Alderman Byron Sick Joe Lopez. Yes. And uh, Laureen is also uh, the recipient of the Ben Jarofsky uh, Jackie Brown Award. And if you're hearing this bonus interview, you know, oh, that's the lady that you just interviewed uh, the other day uh, talking about the EPA employees. Yes, indeed, it's the same uh, Lorene uh, Targos who uh, stood up to Andrew Wheeler at the EPA and, and unfurled a sign uh, calling on him to honor the collective bargaining rights of EPA employees. And so she's doing uh, double duty on the Ben Jarofsky show and she's back as a bonus guest. Um, all right, Byron, uh, the last time I talked to you, you were an activist in the Pilsen area, and uh, this would have been about two years ago, I want to say, on the, my uh, old show, uh, and you were talking about gentrification issues in Pilsen, and the last thing in the world I would have thought uh, then, uh, back in 2000 and whatever that was, 17 or whatever it was, uh, is that you would be the alderman of the 25th Ward. Uh, what in the world happened between then and now so that you're the alderman? Yeah, and, and there are a lot of things happening, not only in the 25th Ward, but across the city. Um, yeah, and two years ago, three years ago, uh, probably many people would have said, this is not possible, that you can have uh, not one, but two, or but six democratic socialists um, in in council, that you have a, a new mayor that doesn't, um, that in a way was elected as an outsider mm-hmm. and um, that there will be a political shakeup in 2019. So um, it, it, it was, in my opinion, this is something that's not new. It didn't happen overnight, it's, but it's being brewing as um, as the consolidation of a, of a corporate uh, agenda now is consolidated in the presidency of Trump. But I think also uh, uh, resistance has been a movement has been brewing as well as a response to these neoliberal policies, those austerity measures that have affected the city. I think the Chicago Teachers Union um, 
propel this uh, this this movement by standing up to Rahm Emanuel. Um, you know, I was a former uh, teacher and teachers for social justice. When before they they were core and they took over and uh, inspired many of us. Karen Lewis, you know, when uh, her mayoral uh, run, unfortunately she. She got sick, um, but this is this is this is this been brewing as well. Mm-hmm. So um, when I was a, a director of Pilsen Alliance, but also was a teacher, seeing what's happening in the classroom, threat the threat to close 130 schools, and they're up closing 50. Um, the Australian measures that have been affecting the city of Chicago for so long um, have not been unnoticed, but. Chicagoans. I think the many, many people across the city um, in Pilsen in the 25th Ward, we've been long opposing former Alderman Solis, uh, disgraced Alderman Solis. Uh, But many people look the other way, business as usual, the uh, machine politics dominated the the political climate. And it was hard to imagine, indeed, could, could, could uh, the grassroots, the social movement, take on them politically? Mm-hmm. I think we're taking a lot of these fights at the grassroots level, you know, issue-driven campaigns, elected represent school board, rank control, and many <coughs> others. But it really came down to, if we want to make a difference, we have to take, you know, electoral, um, we have to take the machine uh, and, and the grounds and, and propose an alternative. And here we are. Yeah. You know? All right. And just to help people out a little bit, uh, the 25th ward is essentially to South and West of this, of the loop, uh, the Pilsen area, Chinatown, some of the area around uh, circle, I call it circle campus. I'm old, uh, the university <laughs> of Illinois at Chicago, uh, and, uh, the Solis, uh, that, uh, Alderman, uh, Cisho Lopez just alluded to was Danny Solis, who was his predecessor as Alderman stepped down, uh, was it November and said to the world, I'm stepping down so I could spend more time with my family. I'm not making this up Byron. He said he was yep. going to spend more time with his family. And then lo and behold, it, it was uncovered in the front pages of my Chicago sun times that for years he'd been wearing a wire <laughs> as an informant for the feds, trying to gather information dirt on, on Ed Burke, who is his uh, good friend and colleague in the Chicago city. So I guess, I, I guess his, Get my hurry up and spend more time with his family before, you know, the legal proceedings really kick in. Uh, and so you decided to run after he uh, announced he wasn't going to run again, or were you ready to run against him? I, I was already running against him, you know, as he hadn't announced if he was going to continue or going to um, step out. Uh, I run bef- I ran against him in 2015, right, when um, it still wasn't hard to, to uh, unseat the zoning chair, Big Ali or Rahm Emanuel, uh, war chest of a um, million dollars plus. You know, it was it, it was a real difficult time. And so, uh, a really uh, former um, director of Uno, a very influential in the United Neighborhood Organization and HTO, the Hispanic Democratic Organization, big arm of former Bayer Daily, very entrenched politician that. Uh, we thought it was um, important to take on politically. Uh, we propose a lot of the neoliberal policies and the straight measures that they propose. They voting on a parking meter. They they close schools, mental health clinics. I mean, they did a lot of damage. I mean, a lot of the the fiscal issues that we have right now. Um, you know, he was responsible for yeah. the last twenty three years on how. Or community, in a way, was well misrepresented by someone like him. You know, I forgot that you ran in 2015. Mm -hmm. And let's just take a moment to to really think about how cynical an act it was that Danny Solis ran for re-election in 2015. In 2015, he was already wearing a wire. The man ran for re-election while he was wearing a wire for the feds. Now, Byron, 
And Lorene, you know as well as I do that if he was wearing that wire, he wasn't doing it because, oh, I think it's a nice thing for me to do to wear the wire on Ed Burke. He was wearing a wire because they were twisting him. Do you understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like they got him doing something he shouldn't have been doing. We don't know what that is yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they forced him to wear the wire to quote unquote cooperate. How cynical. Think about that. What a cynical. What, and the feds let him run for reelection. And, and I mean, they weren't even gonna. They were gonna let him run again if this uh, this hadn't been leaked to the papers, and he just now he decided to step down or something. But you know, if he was saying he was gonna run again up until the last day that you could turn in petitions, yeah. and I think for for a fact that you know, the last for the last two years he was definitely wearing a wire, and I'm not sure exactly when. He started, you know, during the, but in the 2015 election. Um, oh, time out. There was a meeting in 2014. I was obsessively following this. Yeah. Uh, in a, in uh, that it was engineered. I think uh, Solis brought in Burke or mm-hmm. he went to, brought somebody to see Mattigan. He wanted mm-hmm. to get, so I don't know if he was wearing a wire at that meeting. It was yeah. a developer in Chinatown. That's right. Uh, but he was already cooperating with the feds. Yeah. So 2014, yeah. Yeah. you know, okay. Anyway, go uh, ahead with your story. Yeah, and, and we, we in the community right across the world, we, we seen the implications of having someone who's either absent or complicit or part of this, uh, schemes right to extort businesses to strong arm um, people in the community and it was disheartening to see that a lot of people looked the other way you know a lot of the endorsements that were made um, it was hard but we took him on despite the um, the lack of support I know that uh, Karen got sick you know and and it was really hard to take on on someone like Solis with with nothing but the grassroots efforts yeah. but even despite of all the challenges right and the the irony and the um, the hypocrisy of uh, of the whole political apparatus behind this, we were 70 votes short of the runoff yeah. with very little. I, I think that we got the, the 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 least amount of funds in you know with the other four four candidates that were challenging him, mm-hmm. and it really inspired. So we we never thought that we lost because when we started looking at the numbers, I said, look, you know, we very little we were able to to galvanize a real opposition to the status quo. So three years later, four years later. You know, we were better prepared. We were obviously more inspired about the importance of this election, what it meant to us. All right, let's talk about the strategy a little bit, Lorena. Direct this question to you. Uh, For the last few elections, the way the 25th Ward, again, folks, this is the southwest side, just southwest of the loop. The 25th Ward has essentially uh, been divided into like geographical chunks. Chinatown, as I said, Hispanic, predominantly Hispanic, but rapidly gentrifying Pilsen, uh, the, the area around UIC. The, the rule of thumb that political operatives always said to me is that you can't beat Danny Solis in the 25th Ward because Chinatown is going to vote uh, for him like 90 percent. Uh, and uh, the, the the yuppies from um, the UIC area around the Circle Campus are circle my, my age, man. <laughs> UIC. Uh, I'm a 70s guy. It's all right. I called it. Circle. <laughs> I know it is. Circle. Anyway, they're going to vote for him. Uh, did you view the world that way? Did you view it? It was uh, insurmountable to, to defeat uh, Danny Solis because of these blocks, these chunks. No, it was um, it was clear to me that Byron. I mean, that's why he ran was because there was he was the only candidate who would stand up to Solis and stand up against the horrible things that Solis had been doing to the community for 23 years. Right. And so we knew that he needed to run if we wanted to vote for someone and be happy about our vote. 
And so that's why we went in. And then, you know, I was naively believing that, you know, we can, we can just get the word out that he's the best candidate and people will vote for the best candidate. Yeah. And I mean, in Chinatown in particular, we already had the issue that Byron had been leading on since 2013 against the special service area tax. So that's where maybe Solis went wrong. He sold out the Chinese community when they were the only people who were supporting him. So he implemented, the, he supported the implementation of the special service area tax number 73, and that put a huge tax on the small business owners in that area. And um, a couple of folks who were political neophytes, kind of like me, were like, we got to take this on. And, you know, they met with Byron and they um, met with me and we were like, let's do it. And, you know, all of us, we, you know, you saw how crazy the campaign was and they'd be like you know i couldn't sleep is this how campaigns are and you know it's not all of them <laughs> uh and so let's talk about the campaign you ran uh, danny salise announced he's not running because he wants to spend more time with his family <clears throat> uh then later of course one more time folks it was it turns out that he was wearing a wire for the feds. Uh, so you ran. Who else ran in this uh, recent round? So it was Alex Acevedo, mm -hmm. um, uh, the son of former state representative Eddie Acevedo. Mm -hmm. uh, Hilary Dominguez. Uh, there was um, Aida. Uh, Aida Flores and Troy Hernandez, right? So I think those were the, the candidates. So it was, a, it was a crowded field. And, you know, it, it was clear that there was a succession plan. You know, to, uh, to me, it was very clear that it was a succession plan. It was just important that, you know, we were not elected. It seemed to me that that was the message that a lot of this, you know, a lot of um, the establishment was very determined to stop any kind of progressive politics in that real progressive mm -hmm. politics, really speaking to the issues and have a succession plan that will perhaps be more um, tolerant or whatever the situation that Alderman Solis, you know, former Alderman Solis knew he was getting into. So, you know, wearing a wire, he knew that there was a possibility that this was gonna come out and uh, there was a succession plan and-, and um, So would you I, say that, do you think it was Acevedo was the one targeted to succeed him? I, I think it was basically, you know, and I think there was a recording of, an, of, a, of a reporter who told us that basically, um, in fact, that he, when someone mentioned it, well, who would you be supporting? And uh, Alderman Solis uh, went off record and said, you know, with profanity, anybody but me. You know, uh. so, you know, so, you know, <laughs> was there anybody but you is the succession plan. Right. And and it seems like, and I'm not sure how he divided his, uh, his, uh, his resources and, but it was clear that we, we had to, um, I mean, they tried to knock me out of the ballot, you know, with, uh, with people were following my wife. Right. And they were like, uh, saying that my name wasn't correct on the ballot. So I got like two or three lawsuits in the board of education, in the board of elections to, to knock you to off. knock me out of the ballot. Like what do you even, mean they were following your wife? Uh, they, were, uh, they were trying to subpoena me to testify against, uh, the legitimacy of my husband's name and his address. Yeah. And so, and the address, by was, the way, I'm also married to Byron in addition to <laughs> advising him. Oh yes. Did we mention that? I don't yeah, think we did, we, oh, but okay. I, I feel like people can sense that we're soulmates. Through yeah. The Let's yeah. rewind the tape. <laughs> oh, they're married. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Now we're back to where we were. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, and, and it was so like, it, it just the, the, um, you know, the, the, the tactics of, you know, around trying to get me out of the battle was, you know, we got the, they involved the family where I was renting out because we just got a home, but we needed to do some work. So, 
you know, we were doing everything by the book, you know, I had an apartment where I, you know, where I was living and, um, you know, when the house was ready, unfortunately, and the later we found out. Their entire argument was based on the speculation that why would a man not live with his wife in her apartment that is outside the 25th ward? Because before we moved in together at our place now, I was living outside of the 25th ward. So they were convinced, they were like, that was their whole strategy. When, you say, when you say they, who's the they? Uh, was it Jim which, Nally and Acevedo. Oh, the and, oh, yeah. so it was, it was uh, Acevedo challenged you and now he hired Nally as his uh, lawyer. Okay. And it was not only uh, Acevedo, but there was other camps that were challenging yeah. the name. And, you know, so it was very clear that there was money behind this. I mean, they invested just to knock me out of the battle, like thousands of dollars. Tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. They kept me in court, you know, or... Mm -hmm. Testifying, I remember Andrew someone, Finko was our green party guy. So, All right. Yeah, so he was like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna help you." And even the lawyer was like so confused. He's like, "I don't understand what's going on." You know, it was just and some people from the board of elections say like that's one of the most absurd cases that we saw dragging for so long. You know, um, ultimately we prevail, but it's just the amount of resources that that came in just to get us out of the ballot. Now, when you prevailed, did you prevail at the board and did they appeal or did it end at the board? Oh, we, we prevailed at the board of elections, then they appealed it and we prevail again. So, so they, they appealed it to the circuit court. They yeah. took it beyond that. Yeah, and they, then, and I don't know what happened. Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know what happened after that. I think, you know, because I remember- uh, The circuit court judge ruled in your favor and then they dropped the case. Yeah, and then- And, and so, but, but what they do when they challenge you, of course, is they uh, divert your attentions, your money, your time, uh, make it spend on these legal challenges. And so you're not campaigning, you don't have money uh, for flyers, et cetera, yeah. and so forth. Uh, so how long was it before the uh, February 22nd election that you finally ended this and secured your position on the ballot? That was almost January. It was in January. January. So yeah. they kept us over Christmas. We were yeah. like dealing. We were running around getting affidavits on Christmas Eve. Yeah, in Christmas they were like following. During Christmas they were not only following uh, Lorraine, but they were following the family where I was living. You know, uh, seniors. I mean, it was. It, it created even a, 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 you know, even a family dispute. Yeah. You know, yeah. so because we're like, well, what's going on? You know, it's like everything is fine. You know, yeah. what's the problem? So they obviously saw what was the problem, right? And they stood with us. They testified. We prevailed, but the amount of um, the amount of challenges that we we faced during the election, just just to be on the ballot, and the amount of money that went on, just like you said, to divert of resources, it was. Uh, so I to, to me deny it was very the clear. people of the twenty fifth ward a choice. Yeah, and and it was funny when I, when we were you know we were tired right? at that time. It's January, we got all the attacks, all sorts of attacks, all sorts of you know, and the thing about the alderman Solis comes out, you know, as as we're facing all this. So it's like, what's going on here? What's the, what's the big deal about? And then I remember I jumped out, I, when I got the news, I jumped out of bed, I told her, <laughs> you know, it happened. Now I know what's going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I suspected something was, you know, like obviously, you know, was is like going against uh, uh, the current, you know, it's going against uh, the whole world. I was what's going on? And then when you see, you know, the thing come exposed, everybody was all of a sudden taking pictures with the alderman, my many of my opponents, you know, they were- Recording his support. Uh, recording his support. <laughs> then all of a sudden the succession plan wasn't, you know- um, So if I'm understanding you, the succession plan was anybody but you. So he would, uh, Danny was saying, all right, I'll, I'm not, he didn't support any of the candidates uh, directly. Uh, not he, openly. Not he openly. It would have been toxic. Yeah. Well, that would have been, it was toxic af after, after he, mm -hmm. 
the story emerged that he was wearing a wire. Let's not forget that before the story emerged he was wearing a wire, he had left the campaign uh, because he wanted to spend more time with his family. The grandchildren. Okay? <laughs> his grandchildren. grandchildren. I so. need to spend more time. I'm going to teach my grandchild how to catch a ball. That's what I've always wanted. <laughs> Come on, put the men on, baby. Let's go play. <laughs> so that, that's what he was. And, yeah. and a funny one, like, you know, like he went as far as giving Alderman, and then the show, someone should record this. Is like we should write a book about it. He went as far as in live television to give Alderman Burke advice about why he should also retire and enjoy family time with the family. This, I. I and WTTW, he went live before the whole thing came out and gave advice to Alderman Burke, knowing what he that he had recorded him, that he should also retire Man. and enjoy. I mean, if you write it, it wouldn't be as good as it was. You know what? I I, I forgot that. And there's another little thing I forgot. While we're on the subject, when he announced he wasn't going to run again because he wanted to spend more time with his grandchild teaching him how to play catch or whatever, um, Mayor Rahm, Remember him? Yeah, Mayor yeah, Rahm yeah. Uh, gave a comment about what a great contribution Danny <laughs> Solis has given to the city of Chicago. La, 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 la. And, you know, I'm like, then when the uh, the stories broke that he was wearing a wire. <laughs> hey, Mayor Rahm, what about the... Oh, you're residing <laughs> under the table, Byron. <laughs> so, no, it's so much hypocrisy. And let's, let's just be clear what's going down, Byron. This is my humble opinion. And you can feel free to disagree with me uh, if you want to. Danny Solis played a pivotal role, not just for the feds wearing a wire on Burke. Danny Solis played a pivotal role because this is some of the most valuable real estate in the city of Chicago, moving southwest from the loop uh, through the vacant area known as 78, into Chinatown, which is rapidly changing, into Pilsen, which is gentrifying like crazy, into the area around UIC, Circle Campus, whatever you want to call it, which has been gentrifying forever. He is the overseer of that. And they have him in place just to green light any development deal that's coming down the pike, Byron. That is why he was so important to the powers that be in this town. They put him in charge of the zoning committee, green light whatever zoning deal they had the post office you got it boy yeah. you know you want the post office you want 78 which is the big development deal around chicago river you you know yeah. what I'm, am i you agree with me i mean like he was so reliable to the powers to be right that he was in charge of all like what they call the tuna right yeah that's that <laughs> he was he was overseeing the tuna right yeah. he was like the watcher of the two and then they'll come in so uh, you know, if you, if you, as I said, if you write it, it won't be this good. But Alderman Solis was so reliable to the, you know, obviously comes appointed, but, but Mayor Daly, he was the zoning chair. He had access to all the real estate projects across the city. And what they did, what they did, they gave him the 78. He has the whole 78 of his area, the old post office, the West Loop. A lot of the development that he was there was under his watch. The guy who is sharing the tuna with Alderman Burke, yeah. right, and the finance chair, yes. right. We gotta we gotta talk about like the chair of these committees, yes, right. So uh, when you start looking the implication, I mean, we we were hearing about this, you know, obviously from people on the grassroots in Chinatown. People said they want to sell the parking lot. You know, they want to sell this, and and you look at these stories horrified. They said, no, it cannot be real. But then when you start looking into it, you said. There is some truth to all this, right? There are real estate interests here that are expanded. And so when the 78 gets unveiled, because the biggest, pro- this is the iron of all things. The iron of all this is like the biggest project in the city, bigger than Lincoln Yards. Yeah. Doesn't get unveiled 
until the 11th hour when um, uh, you know Rami Emanuel leaves and leaves his last push on on you know on these mega tiff projects without opportunity to we were the protesting with a bunch of people the before we take office i mean if you look at how, the implications of all this all right let's break down so folks follow me because i'm with you 100 byron but a lot of our listeners may not know all right the 78 is the name of a project area that is just south of roosevelt road at roughly clark street if you were to visit it right now everybody you would see a huge tract of vacant land i call it resco field because it used to be owned by tony resco who is a corrupt uh, wheeler dealer in the state of Illinois, probably before your time, but mm -hmm. he went to jail. Uh, he had his ties to the Blagojevich administration. Yeah. At one point, he had his hands out looking for some TIF money yeah. to redevelop it. Uh, it is now owned by a consortium of different uh, uh, real estate interests, uh, including some arms dealer, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's a really bizarre co co coalition of investors. It's a huge track of undeveloped land, probably the biggest track of undeveloped land in the city, definitely in the central loop. Uh, and it's, it's what is between what Chinatown and the loop. loop so the loop, yep. when you develop the 78, it's going to cause uh, prices, real estate prices to go up, up, up. Everywhere on the southwest side yeah. of Chicago, shooting. Yeah. I used to tell this to Rick Minos, the arm of the 22nd War. He didn't want to hear it, but it's yeah. going to cause uh, prices to go up in his neck of the woods yeah. uh, and um, uh, the little village area, which is just south of where you are. That's so right. that's, and they put the whole thing in the 25th Ward. Yeah, the whole thing was in the 25th Ward. And, you know, when I was asking around, you know, I was like, you know, what's, you know, even in the plan, it's like, was, how does something this big doesn't get oversight? I like the like biggest part, 10,000 units of housing, right? And uh, hundreds of commercial space, you know, massive amount of, you know, uh, 60 acres or so. Like, how do you approve this without any any discussion? <laughs> I mean, it's incredible, you yeah, know, like, Chicago. It, you know, and it's like, well, yeah. you, you, you will imagine, you know, you know, these, uh, <laughs> these deals at least, have, so they, you know, that's what we you know, was, like the change, right? To got someone like, uh, my uh, wife is back now in yeah. the finance, you know, we got uh, the changes in the committees and, uh, you know, despite of us, there's, there's always going to be contradictions and issues here, but at least there's, there's, there's someone, I mean, if you look at uh, uh, Scott, you know, he'll be looking line by line. Yeah. I mean, so, uh, it is it is really important you know that 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 this that that this era of corruption and you know i will call it tuna right yeah. the tuna era is gone because it, it was going to destroy you know the city you know it, it, we were we're still in a really bad shape um but at least i feel optimistic that at least we can have some oversight some discussion and and, and that we're going to push this envelope and to bring people on at the table hard well this is now let's talk about why it was so important uh about that byron cisho lopez not be elected alderman because following this lorraine you had this big chunk of undeveloped land between Loop and Pilsen, Loop and Chinatown, which is going to be worth a gazillion dollars once it's redeveloped and will trigger uh, gentrification throughout the southwest side. They put the whole thing in the 25th Ward so that Danny Solis, who's wearing a wire for the feds, let's not forget that little point, and he's also chairing the zoning committee, let's not forget that little point, uh, he can oversee and control all the development in it. Mm -hmm. He's leaving. 
you got this lefty guy, Byron, who's uh, a new, uh, what do they call Democratic socialist, a Bernie type, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like taking Hillary Clinton's private lawyer and replacing it with Bernie Sanders to oversee the 25th Ward. That's why it was so important to, to keep Byron Sixual Lopez off the ballot. Do you agree with me? Yeah, he'd been setting up his succession plan for whoever he wanted to pass the chair to eventually. I mean, he was going to retire, so he was going to set it up really nice for whoever was he wanted to take its place and to hand it to the person who had been holding him accountable um, for the last however many years. Um, that would be his absolute worst nightmare, and... I'm glad to have been a part of making that happen. So, Ari, you 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 emerged uh, from the first round. You got on the ballot. You emerged from the first round into a runoff. Mm-hmm. You came in first or second? I can't remember. I came in first. In the, you came in, in the, first. Okay. The primary, yep. uh, solid first. So, 800 votes. Ahead. Okay. Okay. Solid first. <laughs> yeah. All right. Lorene wants me to get that out there. So I couldn't remember if it was first or second, but solid first. Not just first. Solid first. Uh, so now you're running against Acevedo, yeah. who, uh, whose uh, family has been part of the regular organization down there and a supporter of Danny Solis for a long time. Wasn't this Acevedo, the one of them that called up Danny Solis? Yeah. Remember that tape? When he lost the state. <laughs> rep race his brother called up and that's that was the only break in the families he tried to act like he had endorsed Solis last time in 2015 and yeah. then he was trying to act like oh yeah I helped hold him accountable yeah hold him accountable that's a whole other story the, the, like the late night obscenity you know filled phone call to Danny Solis <laughs> uh, that Danny le- had leaked to the Sun Times all right so uh you're running one-on-one what now talk about that race so and then we saw again the consolidation of all the you know, the, the, the powers to be, you know, to stop, you know, by all costs, the accusers of buying votes, the accusers of also, they, they, they said that we had a fake marriage. There were um, emails to journalists saying that our marriage was fake. What do you mean fake? That How can a marriage he, be fake? He married a Chinese woman to help him in China. For I don't know purposes, what the... I mean, I mean, all sorts of allegations, right? I mean, just to destroy the, the any kind of credibility. But I, I Wait, think... Wait, time out. Were they saying that that the marriage you never really got married or were they saying that you never really they loved were saying her? like we don't like yeah that i'm not that, that we are not like love that this was a, maybe a, some sort of political I see. so as soon as the the election was over and you had successfully convinced chinatown to vote for you because mm-hmm. right. uh, you have a chinese american wife That's right. then you're gonna get a divorce right, exactly. <laughs> i was like and, was like and they thought you know brilliant we got him you know and and, and i was like oh, you know and, and and i think they're still you know i think they, they thought that you know the voters will fall for I mean, some of the, a lot of the Chinese seniors like had heard this and they didn't believe it because they'd see us together. But then there was like one time, you know, because I'm at work during the day. So one time Byron went to meet with some of the seniors and some of the seniors went up to him like, oh, where's your wife? And he was, just made a hand gesture like, oh, she's at work. But they didn't understand English. Uh-huh. So they start looking at him like, what do you? What do you mean? Where where is she? <laughs> and so he had to bring over the translator to explain that no, she's at work. It's, they're not broken up. <laughs> do you speak? Do you speak? I speak Mandarin. Yeah. Wow. And, and and that's the thing, you know, in the strong base that that my predecessor had, right? Yeah. That was like the, and you know, and it was it was it was done by fear, right? It was done by it was not it was not a democratic leader that was really building a coalition based on okay, people really. Uh, elected me he was appointed from the first place and then through the 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 favors and and the loyalty towards daily and the democratic party and the machine 
you know, he he earned the zoning chair and he established, you know, a pay-to-play culture and then the Ivers and Fisk. And there were a lot of people who were, even to this day, right, that that were afraid of coming out against this regime, right? But once it was a, the one, the corruption was exposed, right? And, and even in the first round, they saw us door knocking one, you know, door to door. We're not afraid of door knocking in Chinatown because we knew that, you know, there was an opportunity for us to, in an open race, they will be listening, that they, they will be open. So to when you went door knocking in Chinatown, Lorraine, did you go with them? Every day. Yeah. And so if the person didn't speak English, you would do the, the, the translation? Yeah, and even if folks speak Cantonese, you know, generally if they're from the old country, they can at least understand a little Mandarin enough to be like, well, for this guy, he's my husband. And um, <laughs> did anybody ever say to you something like, I heard that your marriage wasn't real? Some of the seniors would sometimes just like, you know, be more asking for clarification on things. So Is that right? So it actually worked. I mean, it, it, it was like we we just had we had our side promoting that this was not fake. And my uh, my mom, his mother-in-law was in Chinatown all the time. And she's, you know, from the old country. And, you know, <laughs> so there's no denying. She would make phone calls to people and they'd be Mama like, oh, is he, is, she oh yeah. is, she is he Chinese? And she's she's like, famous in He's Chinatown. married to my daughter. Of course he's Chinese. Half his heart is Chinese. How could he not be Chinese? And they, the people were like, okay. <laughs> Half his heart? That's beautiful. <laughs> and, and, like, and it was, there was the, the beautiful thing about all these, right, is that and that was, was so important that we door knock and we go in person, right? Because yeah. we met so many people. So despite of the attacks, we, despite anything, that's what I think that the grassroots level is so important. It's like, look, you know, this is who we are and this is our values. This is what we want. Even when we're in, in some of the first interviews in Chinatown, the reception to me was so cold, right? Because all these things that were being said and, yeah. and then they would get to meet us. And then I remember the first interview was like, you know, I was talking about democratic socialism, right? And they were like, well, but, you know, there were all the concerns about communism and that came out. Yeah. And then we talk about, you know, social security, Medicare for all, and, you know, apply for affordable housing and why it's not acceptable that senior housing has a waiting list of 15 years. And we went and laid out the, the, the issues, you know, that we're very familiar as, as an organizer. And then someone says, you know what? You're the best prepared, you know, you're the, the one who got the issues right on point. And it's because we've been talking about rain control. We talk about the issues in the community. So we are familiarized. And in fact, that's how we met with Lorene in the first uh, in Chinatown, talking rain control and tenant rights. So, and my, my, my you know, my, my, um, you know, my answer here is, hey, can you help me reach out to the community so that we can talk about this? So it was a very genuine way of reaching out to the community. And and I think it, that really uh, that really came through to the people that really saw us together. They're working, not because it was an election day. Yeah. They'd be seen as SSA and housing and all these things. So we connected, we truly connected. And that's why we receive almost 70% of the vote. In, in Chinatown. In Chinatown. Wow. Yeah, 70%. Yeah. So the places where they accused us of whatever misdeeds, um, the voters told them that that was not the case. And uh, so you took 70% of the vote. How'd you do in Pilsen? Similar, I think 67%. So, so where, the, did the, where did old boy Acevedo get his votes? Well, it was hard to get access, like in the South Loop or the West Loop, where there was high rises. It was all mailers, right? Yeah. We did have mailers, but not at the extent. I mean, we, they were, were sending They sent a mailer every day from every the day real estate industry, from the charter schools, uh, from Rahm Emanuel's pack. Um, <laughs> I mean, but the, the funny part is the same, the, the same mailer. Every, they photoshopped him with cash in his hands and all so these. The, yeah, the, the, yeah the, 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 that 
I wanted to raise taxes, that I was for, I was for the progressive income tax, right? Yeah. Which so did my opponent, quote unquote, yeah. right? But yet I was the one who was uh, trying to impose another tax. So they went above and beyond sending all sorts of negative mailers. But what they didn't realize, right, that most people wanted to hear the alternative. You know, what do you stand for? And they, they knew that, you know, for, you know, there's no perfect campaign, but they knew that we never looked the other way. You know, when 2015, 2018, we were there, we, we were trying to portray a platform um, that was popular. Bernie Sanders got 60% of the vote. So like we said, it wasn't new to the world. We, cam we campaigned for Bernie Sanders there in 2016. The, the difference, I think, with Byron compared to every other candidate was that Byron was the only one who was going to be fighting for the community, regardless of whether or not he lost. Because he was fighting to be helping the community and being alderman would help him do that. Whereas other candidates were saying, once I'm alderman, I'll help you. And Byron's been helping them all along. And he would have been helping them all along, regardless of how the election went. So what was the, how much percent of the vote did you get when it was all said and done? It was a 55% approximately. Oh, so you, 55. 55, that's pretty yeah. good whooping. Yeah. And Donald Trump will call that a landslide. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was. I mean, with with everything that came against us. And I'm being outspent at least two to one. I mean, there was, you know, so the, the, the tactics, I mean, what it showed, right, is that. Um, there was at least a hundred thousand dollars worth of mailers just again in attacks. Yeah, yeah and, and like you said, you know, it wasn't upset. It wasn't upset because the whole the whole uh, machine got together yeah. to oppose a real grassroots effort to 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 show an alternative. And now, what what are we able to when we start now in office? Now we don't have any strings attached. We don't have any any any. We don't owe to the developers. It's like we campaign on that. We oh. said like. Mm -hmm. You know, we said we don't need to take money from developers as our opponent. And that's the way, if we were really honest about bringing change, that's how we have to govern. And right away, even though all the candidates were committed to do that in the debates, we see little by little how they bend backwards to all the developers that had interest in the world. So, you know, I think that that gives us an opportunity as a community uh, to really find a, and so, you know, these global trends and gentrification displacement, these are big, big, big battles. But if we don't have every, every, every effort, every community effort behind us, it, it won't work. We need everyone behind this. And when developers, you know, have politicians on their pockets, it has tremendous implications of what we can do and what we can't. So I think we have a fighting chance. It's a complex, it's a, it's a difficult task, but at least we have a real fighting chance. All right, chance. let's talk about the 78. Uh, it, it, that's that's state exhibit A uh, on what developers want to do in the 25th Ward in the city of Chicago and what the difference between having uh, Danny Solis and Byron Sister Lopez in as alderman. All right. Uh, the last city council meeting of the old regime, the last city council meeting under Mayor Rahm uh, and with the old alderman was when both Lincoln Yards the TIF deal, Lincoln Yards, that everybody was paying attention to, yep. and the 78, which nobody was paying attention yep. to, uh, were passed by the city council, and it's infinite wisdom. Danny Solis, I should point out, was not a part part of that vote. Uh, I think he was probably spending more time <laughs> with, with his grandchildren, <laughs> teaching his kid how to throw a curveball. I think that's what he was teaching the kid that day. Yeah. So he was not there. Uh, I take great delight in, in pointing this out, both on my shows and in my columns, 
that we have this notion that of aldermanic prerogative in the city yep. of Chicago, the local alderman controls zoning in his or her ward. And at that time, there was no local alderman because Danny Solis was hiding somewhere. And you were the elected alderman, yep. incoming alderman. And you had said, I am opposed to the 78 TIF, the handout of over a billion dollars of property tax dollars. This, I'm opposed to it. And yet the city council passed it anyway, yep. giving the middle finger to the whole notion of aldermanic prerogative. Yep. All right, so what now is the situation? They've approved this TIF. You're the alderman. What, update us. How are you dealing with this this issue? So, you know, and right away, you know, when when um, the the decisions were made, you know, and it's an interesting story when I, went, I did show up to protest as the alderman-elect and uh, in an empty seat, basically, because... There was no alderman. Mm -hmm. So when I showed up to the council, right, I was making notes, I was making a very strong statement. And I remember some of the, you know, now my colleagues invite me in and say, well, what's going on? You know what? I said, well, I'm upset that this went through. And, you know, I I, I, I think that we should put some breaks into this, you know? And I said, okay, well, what, what breaks do you wanna? So that was one of the things, I think the first victories we had, because I was like, well, we, we uh, they were asking for the CTA tracks. Well, they were listening to you make this impassioned plea as an activist, like, you can't do this. This is wrong for the community. And this is the reasons why. And he has, he's listing out all these reasons. And they're just listening. Convince me. Keep going. And he's he's sweating, telling his story. And Wait, then where's this happening? At the in the city, city council. council. Okay, in, the, yeah. in the committee meeting, right? Yeah, there was a committee meeting. and where There, there was were two a, amendments. There was two amendments to relocate on the CTA uh, tracks that went from the third ward. And some residents organized. Yes. And now they, are, now they are in the 25th ward. Yeah. So the whole project now is in the 25th ward. And I said, look, we should get, you should give us time to, to at the very least have some leverage in this project, yeah. you know? And, um, you know, to my surprise, you know, I was with all the coalition of the Lincoln Yards outside, you know, demanding, uh, you know, like uh, in the case of the Lincoln Yards, we were suing the, the Lincoln Yards. And in our case, we're saying we put some brakes on the 78. And uh, you said, well, you should, you know, one of the, now my colleagues, I said, well, you should talk to the commissioner right there. And I said, so I went and they said, so you want him out of the agenda? I said, yes. And it happened. So I walked out so confused. I said, yeah, now he's out of the agenda now. So when you become alderman in May 20, you got an opportunity to talk about this. So I came out and I tell the, the people in the coalition, so what happened? So yeah, he's off the agenda. And there was one of, a, it was funny, one of, the, one of the coalition leaders, because we're never being accustomed to people listening to yeah. us, right? He just texted me like, fascinating. <laughs> but it was, that's how the prerogative also can help, right? But they were not giving us any time. They were trying to rush air. liquor licenses. They tried to be, the moratoriums lifted in 11th hour, you know, projects like the 78. Everything was trying to be rushed. And, you know, I I was not familiarized with this prerogative, you know, as, and obviously I don't, I don't agree with abusing power either, but it was these, uh, like you said, this, this respect to the community that everything was being rushed, even though you have an empty seat that, you know, propel us to go, you know, what, whatever we had to, yeah, I mean, to put there some were, breaks. Somebody was talking to him for him to get these things on the agenda. Yeah. So, so who's the him in that Solis. sense? Solis. Solis was putting things on the agenda. Even though he was in hiding somewhere? Uh -huh. Like yeah. there were some liquor licenses that were somehow, we're trying to go to make it into committees. And unfortunately we have, you know, ethical well, okay. alderman. Uh, Two. Ethical alderman? I don't know if like, I'd ever like, put the word ethical in front of alderman. Well, Just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like right. some, I, was, I don't want to accuse everybody, but yeah. there were some people who really caught some of this. Just kidding, alderman. You know I love <laughs> every single one of you in the city council. All right, wait, time out. 
they they took it off the agenda as you were saying the approval but then they put it back on the agenda because they did approve the 78 yeah, uh, yeah for the, the, that was like when he was in the streets and then later on there were after they had approved the tiff there were some more things they were trying to get through to move it along even further in the process and so on yeah. those so issues was in amendment. committee okay where the light of the papers weren't really watching too closely. I got you. So um, have the developers come to you uh, subsequently uh, since you've been to Alderman to say, Alderman, you don't understand us. We're really good guys. Let's go have lunch. We'll eat at Pilsen. We'll eat at Chinatown. We go down the loop if you want to go there. Uh, have they have they attempted to reach out to you? Yeah. So obviously after that, you know, we you know said, you know, we, we really need to meet and talk about, you know, this is this is a different regime, you know, this is a different administration. I don't know what there was done before, but you know, we want to know what's going on. Yeah. And you know, to my, you know, obviously surprise, you know, when we were discussing, you know, what was, what was going on, catch me into the last, you know, for how long this has been happening. You know, obviously I just, we just find out, the community just find out. And this has been going on, been planning for a few years, you know, so um, I was like, well, what was the alderman doing? And you know what, you know, so I can get some, some information as so, well, he really wasn't saying much. And I said, well, this is not gonna be the case anymore because we wanna know exactly what's going on. So, you know, now we're gonna have an advisory uh, zoning board made of leaders from the 25th, across the 25th ward to oversee the project. Because obviously there's no, like once now they have the seal of the city council, there's some limitations to what we can do. But what we can do and we will do is to have some oversight, mm -hmm. you know, and real representation from residents in the South Loop, Pilsen. So we got about a board of eight, nine people that, you know, we're gonna start overseeing this, how contracts is happening, affordable housing, the commercial space, access to the river. Things are not gonna be fast track as they did in the past. And, you know, we told them that with the residents gonna be at the table. And uh, so, uh, so right now there's not a program, it, it hasn't been officially uh, approved a specific plan is what I'm trying to say. There's no specific plan that's been officially approved. The TIF has been designated, so the money will be there if they come up with a plan. This is my understanding, correct mm -hmm. me if I'm wrong, yep. but there's no official plan that's been approved. Am I right about uh, that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, they, still need to, they still need to come out with, you know, some some revenue. I know there's the DPI part of, of things, and, you know, there's a, there's a whole University of Illinois plan along with the 78, um, and you know that depends on the amount. And oh my God, I forgot about that. That was Rauner's plan that's to right. build some university. You're sitting on some of the most value. They put the Bernie Sanders guy. <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> it's the irony of it's things. I was just joking with with, oh with Lorena about this. Is like they build the whole thing and they they put it with the most loyal uh, representative yeah. of the uh, of the machine. But then all of a sudden, that's what it was Democracy. so important. So Strikes. when we come in, all the plan gets now exposed. So now this would never being exposed, they would being have exposed under their terms, under their conditions with their, now what we see is completely different to what was planned. Is now we wanna know exactly what's going on. And now that's what a lot of these things are starting to come out. All right, uh, so what's your uh, take on Lori Lightfoot? Uh, she's what, three months in, uh, again, just so that everybody knows that this TIF, these two TIFs, Lincoln Yards and 78, uh, were approved under Mayor Rahm. Yeah. And Lori Lightfoot uh, inherited them. Yeah. She let it be known that she, she wasn't satisfied with the, the, these two plans, but she wasn't going to fight them, all right? Yeah. She just sort of walked away from that fight. Uh, what's your opinion of her uh, oversight uh, in, uh, three months in on the 78? 
So I, I think that we had a good conversation in terms of like, you know, um, the importance of democratic processes, right? And I think the, um, uh, you know, as a mayor, right, who got inherited this, you know, these mega projects, you know, and uh, my, my, not only me, but many aldermen, that new aldermen specifically who came in, they were protesting the, the rush of the TIFs and that we said, let's wait, let's, let's wait until we are in office to, to approve this. It didn't happen. So she had a complicated, I mean, it was complicated as she approached this now with an approved project. I know her approach was, look, we need more minority businesses to be involved in this, you know, and she had her own um, things that she was concerned about. My concern was about transparency. Like we need to know exactly all the, you know, the, the implications of this project. And, you know, she called me and said, you know, okay, you know, so, you know, work it out, you know, work it out in a way that, you know, she even said about, I, I was telling, I was not satisfied with affordable, uh, the minimum affordable housing that they were proposing and that I, that, that thing we should, we should push back. Mm -hmm. And in her call, she was like, you know, look, it's a complicated situation, but I want to work with you on this. And I said, well, yeah, and I, I need the community to be informed for this to work. And if they're not involved, it's hard for me to, to, to even try to work this out. And she's been, since then, she's, she's been, uh, she's been very uh, receptive to, to, um, to that transparency mandate that she also has. Mm -hmm. um, so I think after that conversation, she had a different approach always that ours was delayed the tips. And she said, like you said, this is, there's not much I can do in this situation. But I think at, at the end of the day, I think that, you know, she, I will say, you know, uh, and someone like the Bernie type that is marginalized often for the conversations, uh, she, tr you know, because of these conversations that we have had some real honest conversations, I'm in the zoning committee, I'm in the, in the housing committee, so that, you know, I can have complete oversight of this. And because it's easy for other committees perhaps to, you know, um, perhaps have a different approach or try to, to move things uh, along the way. But, but I do think that we have a real chance to real have some real oversight. Um, and I, I, I hope that she continues to listen, to listen to the mandate that she had. Developers, special interest groups are always gonna be around. And I think that's, that's as, um, as public officials who are elected in a critical time for the city, we have to stand strong to our values and principles. All right, and don't forget, you also have the post office, the old post office in the lid. They put it all in the 25th floor because they, floor cause they DPI, figured they, they, they figure they, it's gonna be well, it's gonna be protected. Yeah. But now, you know, we, <laughs> we got gonna, the Bernie guy in there, <laughs> the Bernie bro. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but the post office, are you overseeing that one too? I mean, what's the situation with the post? This is a giant post office listeners uh, in the western edge of the loop, southwestern edge of the loop, right over the Congress Express. Way. It was vacant for years, and uh, uh, there's a developer in place, and they, we, we've given them some money, some public dollars, and uh, this all was approved under Danny Solis, mm -hmm. and so you had nothing to do with it. Yeah, no, and, 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 and when, we, when we start talking with the, with the, the different um, developers that have stakes in the ward, we we're very clear with them. So like, you know, you have to be transparent and, and then it's in their best interest to be transparent. You know, the, these tuna situations that they got involved with, yeah. you know, that's the kind of culture that is not only hurts the city and the, 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 the it's not a good practice for them either. Yeah. So I said, look, if you're transparent, the, the, the accounts are clear and the, the, the process is clear. It benefits the city, you know. So, I think that we have had a different approach. I haven't, I haven't gone back to. I don't, I don't think they have the, 
the final project or draft, but it said, look, we're gonna have a completely different process when we have zoning mm -hmm. permits, liquor licenses that require the, the consent and the approval of the residents. Now, one thing I can't remember is, 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 uh, is your ward one of the considerations for the casino? It, I don't just think south. The, just a little just bit south, out. Yeah. Just south yeah. of you. Otherwise, I'll, that would be, a, like, I don't know that could handle that. That would be. I will say this. I do not believe, I'm gonna put, this is me speaking. Mm -hmm. I do not believe that the ultimate site of where the casino will go is on that list of five that the mayor put put out. And then the mayor made it clear, well, you know, she, she admitted, well, you know, I'm putting the sites out here, but I could pick somewhere else. And I used to think it was gonna go in the post office, mm. the, the old post office that mm. you inherited. Old boy Danny would be controlling it, all uh, right? Yeah. So it still may come it's to the still, 25th Ward before all said. That's right. Like I said, I, I don't have the final, so you may be right. We will, we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. All right. We have. right. I'm going to keep you here a little while longer. Just going to shift gears uh, for both of you, uh, Laureen and Byron. And let's talk uh, some national politics. We've been spending a lot of time uh, on our show. People coming through here, all kinds of Democrats come through this uh, into this little room here, uh, Byron and Laureen, and we talk about what's the best uh, strategy the Democratic Party should follow to 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 defeat President Donnie John Trump. Uh, and I, I you're both Bernie supporters from last time. Mm -hmm. I, am I right on that one? Yeah. Uh, so let's just, uh, I'll start with you, Lorene. What do you think is the best strategy the Democrats should uh, follow in order to defeat Donald Trump? Well, if we take Byron's election as a lesson, and it's a diverse ward that brought together a lot of different people with diverse interests and diverse uh, political persuasions, um, you go with the person with the record, the person who's been fighting for you for the values that you proclaim since before the election. And in that case, we have Bernie, who's been fighting for a lot of the issues. You know, he's the one, everyone on that stage is spouting his platform. That should be, if, if this was an honest process, then people would speak to that. You know, I'm a better candidate because I'm taking all of Bernie's ideas and adding my own flair to it. Just be honest about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. So you're you know. still with Bernie. I am. Yeah. yeah. And we've yeah. really got to, you know, people are so concerned with, oh, what it, we got to get the, you know, they blame the Bernie bros for losing the election, which is ludicrous. And for the last time, and we need to activate a huge portion of the nation who doesn't feel like they have a voice. I mean, a lot of the people who voted in this election in the 25th ward maybe didn't vote before because they never, and we didn't have record turnout or anything, but that's what we're going to need nationally. If we want to make a difference, we need people to come out and make a choice that they believe in. A lot of people just don't vote because either way, it's a wolf or a fox. They're yeah. going to get screwed either way. And so we need somebody that they go, you know, because people voted for Byron because they're like, wow, you're really going to fight for us. And he is. And when he doesn't do that anymore, then... Maybe I won't speak so <laughs> passionately for him, but I'll just be like, Byron's great, vote for him. Um, but you know, Bernie is someone who really is gonna fight for the people, and you know that because he's been doing it all along. And we need we need to get nominated candidate that ordinary people who don't participate in the political minutia see someone and they can trust that that's a person who's going to fight for me when they're going to be in the rooms with people who are working to make them fight against me. All right. Now, uh, I voted for Bernie in 2016, confession time. Uh, but then I turned right around and voted for Hillary Clinton. 
other confession time, right? Most even of blank. Us, more of us more did of that us, than uh, Hillary yeah. voters voted for Obama. Uh, and and uh, so, and I, I'm, I personally believe that the Bernie uh, Hillary fight was instigated by the release of those emails. Yeah. Uh, that from by Putin's hackers. If we had seen the stuff that Bernie's people were saying about Hillary, those emails that they have, I'm sure there would have been a fight the other way. In other words, people say nasty things about each other when yeah. they're running against each other for for office. Okay, yeah. I can imagine all the nasty things they said about you, all right, yeah. and about your wife and everything yeah. else. So we only saw the emails one way. And yeah. Democrats have been suckers because they've been let this fight that is that was started by Trump and Putin yep. uh, really t- t- exists to this day. Lorene is still the Bernie Bros and the yeah. I'm mad at Hillary, blah blah, and like get over it, Bernie yeah. people. I'm, yeah. That's that's my <laughs> attitude toward the Bernie people. And uh, I am a Bernie guy. I voted for Bernie. I don't know who I'm going to vote for now. Lately, mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, Lorene. <laughs> Really enjoying that Kamala Kool-Aid. Oh, no. uh, <laughs> uh, she's about ready to rip Kamala. All right, so let me ask you this. In your humble opinion, both of you in this one, Bernie uh, needs to do something to shake up his campaign. Yeah. In my humble opinion, because he's no longer the sole voice of the left. And uh, the, uh, particularly Elizabeth Warren uh, is staking a claim to that. And she has a very... Uh, legitimate claim to stake because she's been out there fighting for a lot of these issues for a long time too so in your humble opinion byron uh what must bernie do in this next debate to really reassert himself as the leader of the progressive forces in the democratic party and and if i can speak from my own experience what kind of helped me is expose the the track record the case track record is the most uh fundamental difference between him and anybody else is incredible to in my opinion to have someone in office like bernie sanders with a clean track record i mean he has consistently been on the right side of things mm-hmm. and i think his his option you know is to show the working people that he's consistently being on the side of the working class and expose you know the like, like it was very telling when you start asking about medicare for all who raised their hand Right, and it's very important that when you talk about uh, you know wars in the, the wars across the globe, who's opposing the the big the, the big companies making money out of you know. So I think when you start laying out those issues, I think that you can and then emphasizing, look, this with this race is like like when we were running for office. This is what this race is so important. What is the stake here? You got global climate, you know, global warming. You got wars that are, you know, you have, you know, the 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 the, the mess that the Trump is creating that is threatening the the, the existence of the. I mean, is that he's pulled out on like fundamental like the the climate agreement. I mean, there's so many things that he's done wrong. And the alternative, right? I mean, I don't see a lot of candidates talking about uh, real transformational politics, like well, Medicare for that's All. That's the thing. Like, with Bernie, he's the only candidate. He needs to show, like, Elizabeth Warren sounds great. She's got all these plans. But her child care plan, for example, that is means-tested, meaning you can only qualify if you make a certain income. And so all these things are set up to fail. When you means-test a program that should be universal, then you automatically set it up for a generational fight down the road when the haves and have-nots don't. The reason that you know Medicare for all would work would be because because it's for all, yeah. child care for all. Yeah. 
Bernie is the only one fighting for universal access to these things and leading on the issue, not being forced after it's discovered that, oh, I wouldn't get access to the child care. At the surface, there's a lot of good narrative. Yeah. But I think at the, the, at the, at the extent that he's able to expose the, the specifics behind things, I, I think people can see the difference. It's just that he needs to insist and go more aggressive on, you know, and they do to him, they, they've done to Bernie that. I mean, they're, oh, what about this? What, uh, your plan doesn't, your plan doesn't really go to the details, yeah. you know, how you talk about the tuition free uh, for public universities, tell us. So he has to go on the offense. And I think that's what, when one of my debates, right, when I was sharing this, the, when, you know, people were so down, because they said like, you know, I don't know, like that debate, didn't look like you did so well. But that was a thing, in my opinion, the most fundamental debate, it was when we exposed my opponent from taking money from developers. And even though he tried to get away from that, it shifted the conversation mm-hmm. because he couldn't deny it. Yeah. As you know, they cannot deny it. Are you for against Medicare for all? I mean, we start talking about, and then we have to make aggressive, you know, when sometimes when you're aggressive, people feel, oh, that wasn't really pleasant. Mm-hmm. And But I think that that, that, that may be, a way for him to well i uh, by the way i just have to say lorraine i agree with you a hundred percent that any one of these programs uh has to be universal and this is what irritated me one of the things about pete Buttigieg when he started talking about uh helping people with uh with their uh, tuitions you know that's it's not fair to help people uh who don't need the money get uh, get college aid but if you don't have it universal you're not gonna have look you're absolutely correct. Uh, wealthy people won't go to fight for a program if they're not a beneficiary of that's it. Right. And that's why Social Security is untouchable. That's I mean, right. Rich as they are, yeah. those wealthy people want that money. That's there right. was a story there, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna close it with this. Years ago, back before you guys were born, there was a Wise Guy magazine in New York called Spy, and they had this little game they would play. They would send rich people a check for one penny, I'm not making this up, and then they would see if the person cashed the check, and then they would print the check, the cash check in the story to make, in the paper, in the magazine to make fun of them. Guess who one of the celebrities they sent the check to and cashed it? Donald John Trump cashed a one cent check okay <laughs> so he's gonna fight like hell to preserve his social security because he wants that money yeah. so if you want to have medicare for all you don't means test it yeah. you have it for That's all right. i agree with you 100 Maybe we should run her for she, president. Hey, she's fantastic. <laughs> she's like, uh, uh. uh. I work for the EPA. <laughs> she's too busy fighting that. EPA yeah, she's fight. too busy fighting Donald Trump. I want to thank you both for coming in. Byron and Lorene, thank you so much for coming in. I thank really appreciate you. the conversation. We'll bring you back uh, as the uh, months unfold. How about that, all right? Sounds good. All right, that's Byron Sixjo Lopez and Lorene uh, Targus. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody.